check it out. We are back. Comics Corner, possibly episode 33. <laughs> I think that's right. We'll, it's we'll been find a, out right here. I feel like it's been a little bit of a break. It was a break. Um, we haven't been on since we were talking. It was like, we missed a, you know, Boba Fett's finished. Boba Peacemaker's Fett's finished. Peacemaker's done. So we're going we're gonna to do a little recap Multiverse on those Multiverse of Madness trailer is out. Full trailers, looking nice. Uh, uh, what else? I mean, dude, there's a bunch of shit that's been happening. A lot of stuff going on. We'll get you guys Some caught up. Some flash news. We'll get you guys caught up, but uh, the one thing I did want, we had a couple uh, uh, errors our last episode. My big one, I was really embarrassed when we were talking about, um, it was a cameo that was on Bounty Hunter, or on, on a Boba Fett. It was, uh, I believe I said Tom Root. It's Steven Root. Oh. So Steven Root's the voice actor and actor yeah. who's been in a lot of stuff, like most like King of the Hill, and he's on Barry, he's on a bunch of stuff. Tom Root is a guy that works on Robot Chicken, so I just totally confused them. I, I don't mean, know if they're hey, related. still entertainment guy, though. So I just wanted to address that They both have level. IMDb pages, and that's all that matters. This is Comics Corner episode 34. 34. So yeah, we've only got, we, like, we're, you know, wrapped up on Book of Boba. How'd, uh, you, how'd you feel about it? I want to know how you feel first on that one. Um, I f- didn't think that it paid off as much as I had hoped it would have. I thought it was fine. I think the last episode was obviously really good, but it's supposed to be really good. It's a fucking season finale yeah. of a show you guys that Disney probably dumped hundreds of millions of dollars into. So it not being good would have been an atrocity. I just think that they took Boba Fett in this weird, sympathetic direction that isn't what made me as a kid like Boba Fett. I, I agree. You know, when he becomes the, uh, what is it, the Diamo or whatever yeah, they call I him. I do love the word. Diamo. I'm the Diamo. Diamo. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah, it's I don't know, but then he's the boss, you know. Like you'd think, like yeah, you understand he wants to rule things a little bit differently than Jabba, you know. But still, like dude, like yeah, the whole thing was he was this lone gunslinger, this like really cool, dark, mysterious dude. People change though. I guess that's yeah. the whole point of the show, more or less. It just seemed trying. It seemed like they were trying to make it way too family friendly to a degree that's in a that good regard, point. and not necessarily in uh, padding it down and you know making it no hard edges it just seemed like they wanted to give him this story arc that didn't feel natural to the boba fett that i kind of grew up with or the because the cool part about boba fett from the star wars movies the original trilogy is he's dark and mysterious he seems like a badass and you kind of make this story in your head of him and then when it came to the original prequels you just see him as a kid so that story you built in your mind can still kind of play out of him being this like badass lone gunslinger, head of all the bounty hunters, you know, toughest dude in the galaxy. Yeah, everyone knows him. And now he's just like, we're going to be fair. <laughs> and it just there was no there was no taste of what he once was. I get that there has to be this story arc to him and this development of his character. But it's like, dude, you lived with sand people for like one year, and then all of a sudden you just fucking gave up on being the cool dude we thought you were. I'm a changed man. Yeah, it just, I didn't love that aspect of it. At one point, I thought they were just, they scrapped the whole show and just made it Mandalorian season two, part two. <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, like, okay, the first episode, Return of Mandalorian, that's cool. The stuff with the Darksaber, that opening scene was yeah. badass. But uh, then, like, then, like, the second one was all about him, too, basically. I'm like, all right, what are we doing here? But it's all tied together. And I didn't... I feel like it was... I get that that was setting up the whole next season for Mandalorian. But the shit with, like, we get Baby Yoda back, whatever his name is. Um, Grogu. Grogu. It's, that whole episode didn't love. I just have a huge beef with the Ahsoka Tana with um what's her name Rosario Dawson Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tana I get that she was made for that role yeah that role could have actually been designed around her but and nothing against the character there's just something about the design of it in real life whether it's the practical effect of it 
or something that just seems so weird to me. And it seems so off-putting that I don't know if it's like the weird stuff on her head seems like it's too foamy. Okay. Or it just has something about it that I just can't wrap my mind around. And it takes me out of any scene she's in. Yeah, I think it's too because it's such a recognizable actress. Like when you see it on just some random extra. Yeah. Uh, it's whatever, you know, and there's a name for that alien race. I can't remember. Yeah. It just, I, and I get that there's like how Nick Fury, the ultimates Nick Fury is based on Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson comes and plays the role. It's amazing. Ahsoka Tana older kind of felt like it was a Rosario Dawson, like the attitude and that kind of vigor that the character had in Clone Wars and all that stuff yeah. is very Rosario Dawson to a T and a lot of characters she's played in the past. But it just, there was something about it. That whole episode, I just felt like, who who even wants to be a fucking Jedi at that point? Are there any Jedi left? Go hang out with the bounty hunter, dude. This guy's giving you sick-ass body armor. You live to be like a thousand who yeah, cares? I think it's fair to say too that um like the the show was good, you know, but like they didn't have to tie in the Mandalorian stuff. They could have kept it separate. They like I understand that Boba Fett, you know, was on uh the man on Mandalorian, but it's like they could have just taken things in a different direction, you know. I like, agree. It the thing I liked about Mandalorian and that I was hoping for with a lot of these shows is it breaks away from, I want to see different parts of the galaxy. I want to see different stories going on that sure might have light crossover, but it's still just like, this is what's happening on Tatooine. Here's some shit happening on Hoth. Those are like the two planets I know. It's it's all that John Favreau. It's that, that watermark, you know, he tied in all these Avenger movies and made that like whole universe, basically cinematic universe. And now he seems to be going that direction with all the Star Wars stuff he's doing. He wants it so it's like, oh, yeah, you got to watch Book of Boba Fett. Oh, but you had to watch, you have to watch Mandalorian first because it's all connected. And that's fine. Uh, But, you know, it was just a creative choice he did. And that's kind of, like I said, that's kind of his thing now. Because he's done such a good job of it in the past. I enjoyed the show. I don't need a season two. Yeah. Did they they suggest if there's going to be a I haven't. The ending didn't necessarily, I guess it was loosely open-ended. But it didn't make it feel like it didn't say next chapter two book of Boba Fett, which I was kind of happy about. I'd rather get more Mandalorian and explore the galaxy more. I think I also got kind of burnt out on it just being on Tatooine the entire time because it's already not a very cinematically. It's the desert. You're just in the desert. Yeah, that the original one was filmed in Nubibia. It's the desert. There's nothing like, there's only so much to look at. It's all sand. And I just don't really understand the, you know, I want to see more of the Star Wars universe. I don't need this whole deep story on just one planet. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think that's what made Mandalorian so much more intriguing, too, is you do get to explore the galaxy a little bit. The vastness of the Star Wars universe is what people like to see. Yeah, 100%. or at least I like to fucking see. Yeah, same. I mean, uh, but I mean, the Tatooine's cool, you know. But there's there's a, there's there's more out there, like you said. Yeah, there's more story to be told. Um, a show to move on. A show that I know we both enjoyed, Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Fi- we finally seen. Fantastic. DC I, is is back, baby. I so shocked that I love a John Cena show and just want more and more of it. Yeah, if you would have told me that like 10, 20 years ago, like oh, I would have been like, you're high, yeah. It, it's crazy. I mean, you definitely see that James Gunn's fingerprints are all over it. He wrote and directed all the episodes, I believe. But just the great story arc, great character development, enough DC references to make real fanboys be oh they mentioned they mentioned john stewart they mentioned this it's like they'll mention little things and they'll make little jokes like aquaman fucks fishes and we're all dying but it still doesn't take it too far yeah where they're bringing in a million characters that you're like it doesn't feel like fan service yeah well spoiler alert yeah at the end you know we get a we get a jason momoa we get an ezra miller you know we get aquaman and flash showing up that was a fun little cameo. And it That's was all the, you needed. It was the perfect amount. Yeah. It wasn't a overhand or a heavy-handed type of thing. It was just 
it's they're literally there for a joke. Yeah. To make, <laughs> let one joke hit. I mean, there's so many little things in that show that, like any James Gunn movie, you can watch it over and over and find little quips and little comments that are really funny and then things that foreshadow other things that you're like, oh shit, dude. I didn't even think they. I didn't even think about this. Yeah. Uh, oh, that definitely that show definitely has rewatchability. Yeah, hundred percent. And I'm pretty sure we're getting a season two. Yeah. I, I I mean it did really well. People love it. So it I think was, it'll definitely come around. I wanna say I think the numbers were in that it is HBO Max's best original series. Like just as far as people watching. As far as viewership, yeah. it was their best and it's better than Euphoria. I mean, dude, it might be. Uh only there's only so many teenagers in the world. <laughs> um but no, I want to see a season two. I'm happy, like you said, off mic, that DC feels like it finally got a win. Yeah. And they, a win. they needed it, man, just in the nick of time. No, and I I mean, I think the original or the newest Suicide Squad movie is really good. Yeah. I think it being released on HBO Max and in theaters kind of skews your numbers and fucks up how well it actually did do. Yeah. Because... No one's gonna rush out to the theater when I can just sit at home on an app that I'm probably already using a password from my friend to just be like, well, I'm just gonna watch it here. <laughs> and also, I'm not even in a huge hurry, right? You know, it wasn't a bit. And everyone blames on the cast not being star-studded the way the original one was, but to me, the original cast isn't even what you have. Will Smith, yeah, who gives a shit. No, I mean, uh, dude, I'll tell you who stole the show in, uh, in uh, Peacemaker. I mean, every, everyone's got that show. Every character is really, really good and Without funny. Without a doubt. No one's annoying, and everyone is equally funny, I felt. But Vigilante was the it's best, dude. hands down <laughs> amazing. Just, yeah. Uh, apparently, he was in the Harry Potter movies. I He was in the Harry Potter movies, yeah. and fun fact about it was he's actually in that show the second person to play that character. So they originally shot some of the episodes with a different actor. Really? And then that actor and I'm guessing James Gunn, they said production, had artistic differences, which means they didn't fucking like each other. Yeah. (laughs) And they were like, all right, we're parting ways and we're just going to recast. And I think the guy they recasted was amazing for it. He has the perfect clueless kind of asshole type of guy it's works so perfect for someone who is thinks they're a superhero, they're really a villain, and they're just killing people. Yep. Yeah, it's and, it's crazy. Um he I didn't now didn't you say Vigilante, like the character was in a different DC he's property? Also he was also in the Arrow series. Right. But it was a completely different energy. Uh same name, all that same stuff, like same comic book character. But that one was definitely more of a hardcore, true-to-the-word vigilante-type person and was killing people off, blah, blah, blah. Very melodramatic, Arrow-style shit. And I think the way that they took him, the way that they made all these characters have this dislikability mixed with a weird, I'm still really drawn to you and kind of like you vibe is so crazy that... How you're able to use a script and use actors that, on paper, you should not enjoy, you shouldn't like, but they have this redeeming quality that makes you want to keep seeing them and are hoping that, oh, dude, I hope he's in this scene. I hope when they're at the when they tie up the people at the veterinarian office, (laughs) that was good. It's just it's genius. Some of the shit they write, yeah, that it's like. How did you even think about this? That was a good scene, yeah. <laughs> and I think the way he's a tall, kind of gawky guy, it works so perfect. His love for John Cena and then John Cena just not reciprocating yeah. it is amazing, too. Or the scene where he goes to prison to... Uh, to fuck with his dad. Yeah, that's a great scene. Even... Um, great little monologue there. I forget the actor's name who plays his dad, but the guy from Terminator. Yeah, Patrick something. Right? Yeah, yeah, he... Uh, he did an amazing job. He was great. As just being a fucking like right wing kook. Yeah, and he sold it 
Yeah, he sold it so well. But he has that face that just, you look at it and you're like, God, you just look upset always. Yeah, you look like there's a lot of people you don't like. Yeah, like, yeah, you have some, you have a negative comment for every person you've ever seen. It would have been fun, though, if they did like a, a Terminator reference or something. I was kind of waiting for yeah. one. But James Gunn is really good about. Just giving you enough that it doesn't feel like I said that heavy-handed fan service that we didn't have the Justice League in the whole show, or they didn't mention them in some weird way. It was like, yeah, we brought them in at the end for like a one joke about you guys suck, yeah, and then there's just like little nods to other people. I even thought that Judo Master character amazing. <laughs> he was just great. eating that hot Cheetos the whole time. He was a badass dude. He was. Yeah, it's he, what he's this tall. <laughs> yeah, he's super short. It just everything worked really well. Even the costumes and stuff made sense because they're getting mocked the whole time, but they don't feel too costumey. It feels like something an idiot would wear. Yeah, and like I remember we were you know pretty stoked on the Suicide Squad movie when it came out, James yeah. Gunn, because that Peacemaker costume is comic accurate. I mean, like 100%. it is crazy. And watching this show too has got me really excited. I want to go back and read these comics like that mid to late 80s run of Peacemaker. I think it's only like a four issue thing they did. So it's certainly Peacemaker volume two, but I was reading how they had acquired the Peacemaker character from like Charleston yeah, comics. He was originally a Charleston comics character. And originally when they were writing Watchmen, the comedian was supposed to be Peacemaker. They couldn't use him because DC wanted to use that character and develop, you know, a whole comic run for him. Um, so they developed the comedian character, but really? he was initially because that whole I never knew that. That's awesome. Yeah, that whole Watchmen series is kind of just you know these Charleston characters that. Got thrown to the wayside. Probably had one book of their own, maybe. So or, like the whole like the Minutemen, yeah, thing? stuff like that. Yeah, and they Those... kind of out amalgamated a bunch of people together and made this world. And they were like, "Oh, Peacemaker's perfect." So this was around the time they were acquiring acquiring Charleston, Charleston and getting all that stuff. And um, yeah, they just they ended up you know not using them because DC vetoed it. Created the Peacemaker or not Peacemaker, the comedian, and obviously. The comedian became a huge fucking character. Big. Peacemaker, up until two years ago, was nobody. Had Probably hadn't even set foot in a comic since the 80s. And it's like, now... Now he's back. Now he's back, and he's bigger than ever. And I think John Cena does an amazing job. He is truly a much better actor than I ever could have would have thought he would have been yeah you know it's it's like instead of like doing all these reboots like fucking 12 different batman movies and 100 different spider-man movies let's dive into these old catalogs of you know old dc and marvel characters that maybe got tossed to the wayside and revamp them because it it, it works from time to time well and i think too when you have these more obscure characters in that regard it gives you a lot more room to play with the characters because people don't have their idea of everyone's idea of spider-man batman and superman is set in stone, yeah, especially exactly. if you are a passive fan. Superman, Boy Scout, Batman, like dark, crazy guy. It's Detective, you know, yeah. <laughs> everyone has these visions and thoughts of this is exactly what the character is. So when you want to step away from that and make something different, which happens in the comics because comic book readers are more open to that idea. They want of, that. They want something new and different. My dad or whoever, you know, someone who's just hasn't read a comic book ever but loves batman yeah. is like well that's not what batman is that's not how batman is and it's like batman's been a million things dude he's it's almost like the uh the spider or not spider superman they tried to make with nicholas cage that tim burton was gonna do yeah you know i don't know if you do there's a documentary about it. it's pretty interesting. Uh, absolutely and i think yeah kevin smith was involved with one of the first drafts of the script and uh like tim burton even came out i think it was, maybe it was nick cage was like yeah it's a shame it never happened like we were going to do something like really cool with this character kind of change it up who knows if people would have embraced it maybe yeah. not and two, that's where you get the biggest people whose minds are set on what these characters are, are the people who are backing these movies with money. Because I know one of my favorite stories from that Superman, uh, the scrap Superman movie with Nick Cage, was I forget the producer's name, but he's a notorious just getting his hands in every movie he produces. He wanted a big spider. 
He wanted to put yeah. a big spider in the movie, and that was his thing about it. He oh oh, we got this big spider. It was the guy that was produced uh, Wild Wild West. He produced Wild yeah. Wild West. And he got his giant got spider. Got his giant spider. And I'm like, <laughs> and lost thirty million dollars. It's so insane that these people just have the, get these ideas stuck in their head, and it's that's what it's got to be. And I think James Gunn did a great job of bringing out some of these obscure characters, and I think he almost took. I have to imagine he took some of that thought process from, all right, I'm doing Guardians of the Galaxy. Again, prior to that movie, perfect example. Nothing. No one cared about Guardians of the Galaxy. No one knew what it was. And you, when you have that, you can kind of be like, oh, this is how Star Lord is. This is how Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Iron Man is not at all how Iron Man was in the comics prior to that. Yeah, not so much. You know, he wasn't this quippy, witty guy. He was just a regular dick asshole guy. Rich, rich dude, yeah. Yeah, he, rich asshole the guy. The only thing was he had a drinking problem, which they never even talk about really in the comic or in the movie. In the movies, they do it for... He has like two drinks, <laughs> and then they were like, hey, man, your body is being poisoned from all this metal. Yeah, yeah. And that was pretty much demon in a bottle storyline Yeah, for I think them. the only reason he had to quit drinking is because he had to drink the stuff to keep the metal out yeah. of his heart. And, yeah, I think you get to play with these lesser-known characters, and I think that is absolutely where Marvel's done a great job of, hey, we get it. We're just going to use the name, use some of the characters, roughly use the back backstory of it. It doesn't have to be dead on, guys. No one knows who the fuck Moon Knight was prior to yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And I say no one, but everyone who listens to this is probably like, well, I definitely knew. But... Yeah, most people don't know who that is. So now Oscar Isaac can come in and do this crazy deep character study and make it pull from that run of comics what he wants and what he finds to be interesting about that character. And the rest of it, leave it. Who cares? No one yeah. is going to give a shit. Well, yeah, like on the reverse side of like taking obscure characters, yeah, taking obscure storylines like that like people might not be too familiar with. Yeah, like it might, like you said, go off the path of what they're used to this character like being like and how they um, interact with people. Yeah. So like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, uh, the doom patrol show on HBO, isn't that like more based off of like the Grant Morrison run? It is definitely based more off the Grant Morrison run. Um, and I think that show's really great. It gets a lot of great reception from fans. Because it had two seasons, right? I think it might have three seasons oh, wow. even. I'll have it, to watch that one. It great cast. And it just, it's fun. It plays with all these characters and all these storylines and does a good job at what Doom Patrol is known for, which is bringing in these weird, wonky, wacky characters. There's one of the characters in it is literally a living street. It's a street that can just turn into anything, a any other street. It's just a character that is a amp- anthropomorphic street that just can become any street you want it right. to be. And okay. it's but that's like fun because yeah. they make it comical but lighthearted and have some warmth to all of it. Yeah. And that is I think if comic book movies lean more into that versus like you said, ten million Batman movies, you get more success from that. Yeah. Well it's like, you know, it's just it's been done, you know, th- things are getting <laughs> tired at this point. But, you know, in the same kind of similar uh wheelhouse would be like the 89 Batman Tim Burton movie. So, yeah. like, when most people thought Batman, they thought, like, campy, like, Adam West, this and that. You know, Tim Burton was reading a lot of, like, the Frank Miller stuff. The more dark... It's like, that's where Batman had been going for a while now. Exactly. And then people really weren't too hip. So that was that was the case. And so a lot of people weren't crazy about, you know, what what is this, you know, weird thing? But then people saw it, and it was the biggest movie that year, you know? Yeah, I think it's hard to... A character like Batman always seems like there has to be... It's a campy version... Then we go super dark. So we went, uh, was it 69 Batman? Uh, the 66. 66 is Batman. The Adam West, yeah. 69 is just a cooler number. <laughs> Shout out. A little cooler. Um, <laughs> Shout no, out. I hate, I hate that joke. But no, the 66 Batman, and then you get Tim Burton, Ultra Dark, Batman, Batman Returns. Then you get Joel Schumacher, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. Then you get Chris Nolan. You know, that whole trilogy. And now we're going to get this Matt Reeves movie that, from seeing trailers and reading about it, I've been not excited for it since I heard about it. Apparently, it's supposed to be very dark, 
uh, film noir style, you know, detective movie. Apparently, they're not even really touching on the Bruce Wayne, Batman struggle identity thing. I'm fine with that. I'm totally cool. It needs to be something different. The only thing I'm not super thrilled with is I'm worried it's going to be too dark. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that's always people lean in. They see that, oh, the successful ones are the ones that are really dark or really gritty or real true to life. This could actually happen. And I think you don't need to have all those elements or they don't have to be so on front street about it to make a good Batman movie. And this is the first Batman movie since Christopher Nolan, right? Yeah. So it's been 10 years. Yeah, I mean, no, we, I think I mean now that like we haven't had uh, any short yeah, supply we, of Batman. We oh, had Ben Affleck. We Duh. had Batfleck. Okay, I forgot. But about even those, I think, are just so. He didn't this, get a standalone title in this world of its own. The whole Snyderverse of DC is just going to live in its own alternate reality. It's Earth, you know, one thousand one hundred twenty-nine. It's just its own random thing that I'll be happy to never really see again. And I think that, from my understanding, that's what we're going to be getting from the new Flash movie. Okay. Is Flash, the new Flash movie. Justice League, all that shit never happens. I think it's going to kind of be a soft reboot to the entire universe. Okay. Um, I know we're getting Michael Keaton back. That's right. As yeah. Batman. That's big talk, yeah. Um, and then that's like an, like an alternate reality kind of thing, too, right? Well, yeah, it's playing out the Flashpoint storyline, gotcha. which I'm not ultra thrilled about because i feel like that's been beaten to death it's not the only flash storyline but i think they felt like they were in a hole and yeah. they had to figure out how do we get this universe back on track they gave the reins to someone and he kind of steered him into a wall and Zack snyder had all these huge plans for stuff and it's like they it all just backfired yeah oh i um I don't know if you checked this out. I watched uh, that JSA World War II movie on HBO. How was it? It was pretty good. I liked it. Uh, what I really, really dug about it was the animation style. Yeah. It was very like classic Warner Brothers. It definitely reminded me of uh, Venture, Venture Brothers. <laughs> no, okay. no, no, but pun intended or relation there. But um, yeah, it was just like the character design was less like, I'm not, this isn't like a judgy thing. It's just what I personally like. Yeah. A lot of sometimes the DC or any of the comic book movies get a little too like anime-ish for me. I in, feel you. In the animation style. And that's just not what I enjoy. It's just like too clunky and just like weird. I don't know. Like it's like just make an anime movie. Don't, you don't have to make it a superhero Yeah, it doesn't movie. have to be, you can make your own thing. And some of them are good. I've seen ones that I like, you know, but like this, I love the animation of it. It was a cool story. Kind of like a Flashpoint Paradox thing where yeah, he, uh, uh, basically, so Superman and Flash are fighting Brainiac. Brainiac shoots a kryptonite bullet at Superman. When Classic. Flash goes to grab it, he's going so fast that when he something about the kryptonite or something, it throws him into this alternate timeline. Okay. And Doctor Fate makes an appearance, which is pretty cool. Nice. So you get you start to get some more yeah. of. I see. I like. So at first he thought he went back in time, but then he realizes, oh no, this is a different reality because it has the Golden Age Flash in it. Jay Garrick. Gotcha. It's got uh, Wonder Woman's like kind of leading the pack. Uh, Black Canary. Um, and then Superman's like kind of in it. It's a different version of Superman, and they, like he doesn't want to get involved in the war. Like they kind of find out an accident that he has powers. Gotcha. And then he's like, like, why haven't you been helping us, dude? We need to fight the fucking Axis. He's yeah. like, eh, it's not my war. You know, I'm not even from this planet, kind of thing. But then he comes around at the end. Spoiler. And he makes the Aquaman's in it, and Aquaman is being like manipulated by this weird like advisor character who's working with the Nazis. Love it. And like literally, fucking uh, uh, Aquaman throws up like a hail Hitler. It's oh like, shit! Dude. I want to like screenshot so bad. Just like I knew I didn't like uh, Aquaman. Yeah. I knew there was fish, something about this Aquaman. guy. Yeah, dude. Um, no, that's I like when those. I think those movies really are at their best when they don't necessarily try to adapt a full storyline from a comic. I think when they make their own, you have a bunch of talented writers. Comic books and co these characters have always thrived on new stories yeah. and being thrown into new situations. Sometimes to see them, you can forecast one of these stories. Like I didn't love the Hush com or Hush movie that that they animated because I love the Hush comic book and I want to see certain things. Yeah, and when you don't see them, you're like, 
oh, this sucks. I didn't get to see that cool opening killer croc scene where he kidnaps a kid. Yeah, and that is like, a good one, yeah. You know, there's little parts of it that you're like, oh, this is what I wanted, and you're expecting to see these things and how they animate it, and when you don't see it, it's such a letdown. Yeah, I don't know if this was an original storyline or if it was a comic, but it was cool seeing the like JSA back together. You know, it was very old yeah. school. And there was another character, I think his name was like Our Man. Yeah, Our Man's a big JSA so character. So that was cool. You know, that's like, you know, you don't see Our Man in fucking movies. Like, oh, that was yeah. pretty sweet. Um, one trailer that... Oh, and Hawkman. Hawkman's in it, too. A classic. Uh, one trailer we got to talk about that I know a bunch of shit dropped during Super Bowl. I wrote none of it down, but the only <laughs> thing that I truly cared about, Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse Yeah, Madness. I mean, I think it was originally slated for March, and now we got to wait till May, but it's, it's all good because it looks fucking action-packed, a lot of cool... Dude, there were some cool scenes in that trailer. How'd you feel about... A little voice cameo from P. Stew. Uh, why did I miss that? Why did I miss something? Patrick Stewart. Oh, Professor X. I missed that. Has what? a voiceover. So, I mean, if you've seen the trailer, this is kind of just a breakdown. I know nothing, but Illuminati allegedly in the movie, pretty much confirmed from the trailer. Okay. Uh, for those who don't know, Illuminati is kind of what it means in all terms but it is a group of people from the mcu that come together to kind of lord over all the happenings anything important i know in the comics it's usually been iron man professor x namor black bolt uh black panther maybe some other people um but in a lot this, of heavy hitters, people yeah, with a lot of influence. Yeah, it's a lot of influential people. It's a lot of intelligent people, you know, the ones that are really pulling the strings. And this one, I think we're going to be getting a lot of really cool cameos, dude. We're supposedly getting Professor X, Patrick Stewart, is basically confirmed. Um, I think we're going to have Monica Rambeau as Captain Marvel yeah, from like an Cap- alternate. Captain Marvel 2, I've heard referred to um, as. Yeah, so it's not going to be the one from WandaVision. Isn't there it's another her- name like Photon or something? Is that like her alias? So it's not that one. That is the person who is in WandaVision. Oh, that's her daughter. Her power. It's going to be her mom. Yeah. Yeah, so. Her da- yeah, but that's her. Her daughter yeah. becomes Photon right. and all that stuff. That's, yeah. Um, this one, it's basically, I think the story will be, instead of Carol Danvers flying the plane, she flies the plane and gets all the powers. Yeah, I mean, the, the possibilities are infinite. It's really cool. And I think that, you know, Marvel's going all out on this one because people, I think they realized how popular the character is. Yeah. People like the first Doctor Strange movie. They like, I know I love how much he's in the Avengers movies and plays a pretty big role when you think about it. Well, yeah, and you have this amazing actor like Benedict Cumberbatch, and you have a storyline, or you have a character that has thrived for a long time on visual visually appealing crazy art yeah. that's always been very next level and we have the technology to make that kind of a real thing now i think that's one reason i never i always were, was drawn to the characters because it's it's so much different than all the superheroes like yeah he's technically a superhero but first and foremost he's a sorcerer all the magical stuff and everything just gives this different kind of landscape to the marvel universe the in the comic books you know oh absolutely and it's just like it's just something different it's fresh and i think that's why people are like what's up with this doctor strange guy i want to see more of him you know and you get he, him traveling through these different realms doesn't feel ultra forced it has this believability in that mcu like world that they've built of yeah, this guy's got powers to do fucking anything. He can travel through these things. And he's also just been fucking around with time and with alternate universes and changing all this stuff. Yeah. And now it seems like we're getting to the point where it's finally caught up to Enough's him. Enough's enough, man. Yeah. And yeah, he's getting pulled in by Illuminati for like, hey, dude, you're really fucking up the universe. Let's have a little chat. Yeah, let's have this conversation because I think that version of Baron Mordo we see in the trailer is also an alternate version, an alternate version where he's a sorcerer supreme of whatever universe he's from. Right on. Yeah, um, that, that makes sense. I'm excited. I think what one of my big hopes is that we possibly get Tom Cruise, the original casting of Iron Man 
in as superior Iron Man. You know, I'm not the biggest Tom Cruise guy, but that would be cool. I, I would dig. I would dig that. I think it would be a really cool way to let him in the universe. Yeah, and just have him be in for a small brief time. I saw this awesome uh, fan post, fan made artwork poster that they did. And obviously they can't do it because he's passed away, but it would be cool as like yeah, an alternate Doctor Strange is uh it was David Bowie as Doctor Strange. Oh I shit. gotta show you this poster, it's sick. Someone did the mock up where it's him and it's just like a fake movie poster, but I was just like, dude, that would be awesome. Like and it just makes so much sense, you know. That was always um do you remember Wizard magazine? Uh of course. So in Wizard magazine there was always a section of fan castings yep. for movies. I would I remember renting them from the library <laughs> and looking and almost getting them just because I wanted to see like what this fake movie was going to be and who they fan casted and just thinking about like, holy shit, dude, who could play this character? And this was before we had a million superhero movies. But yeah. It's funny. I hope someone's listening to this right now is like, wait, like like a younger person be like, you guys used to rent magazines from the yeah. fucking library? <laughs> dude, I used to rent CDs from the library, CDs, yeah. burn that shit under your computer. Boom. Oh, My yeah. iTunes was popping. Dude, library had a killer selection of everything. And those that don't know, you want to read more comic books, Lakewood Li- Public Library has a ton of graphic novels. Yeah, Lakewood's pretty good. I used to go to Fairview. I went back recently. Selection, no bueno. Lackluster. Lackluster. Um, what you been reading, though? I know you I've been reading two books. books. So last time we talked about, I read the first Trans- 12 issues of Transmetropolitan. Yeah. So now I'm on to the next 12 issues. This particular saga particularly deals with an election. That's what I wanted to look up. Um, it's So as most people, or if they're familiar with the Spider-Jerusalem uh, character, he's they literally just come out and say in the bio, like, he's a gonzo-style journalist, yeah. you know, which was a term coined popular by the great Hunter S. Thompson, who just had an anniversary of his death anniversary, I think it was Shout two out. days ago. Yeah, dude, Hunter was the man. So Hunter S. Thompson has this book. Uh, he's at the Democratic National Convention. Oh, it's called Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail 72. So this is actually before uh, Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, or it's, it's after Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. This is very interesting because it's the same thing, basically. And it's kind of fucking scary, Pat. Like, there's a lot of parallels like what's going on now. Like, so there's... This super hardcore, like conservative dude running. Yeah. And it's very like Trumpy. Like the vibe is like this guy's name, his last name's Heller, okay. who's running for uh, president. And just like very MAGA ish supporters, just super like, you know, quote unquote patriotic individuals. Of course. Uh, and it was like just kind of weird because this book came out in the late 90s. And it's like only just like was a precursor. And then he's running against this dude. I can't remember his name, but they all call him the Smiler. He literally has this very like Joker esque grin on his face. And he's a counterpoint. Yeah. And Spider wants to trust him, but it's just kind of like, dude, there's something about this guy. Like, what the fuck? And it just kind of uncovers some things about him. It goes to as far as like his political advisors, this female that like Spider was getting close with who gets killed. Uh, it's by like her own party to boost the numbers, to get more support, like get the sympathy vote. Hey, dude, sometimes you got to get a sympathy vote. Sometimes you got to cut off a couple heads. It, it just like it shows that dark side of politics, you know. And oh yeah, it, and, you know, obviously it's exaggerated, but man, the book is great. That um, gets you know this this whole run, this particular twelve issue run, thirteen through twenty four. It's a little you know it's pretty political. Not not yeah. usually my cup of tea, but the stories are great. The characters are great. I love that the dialogue is great. Just like you I know. feel like a comic like Transmetropolitan Two also lends itself to being able to touch on a wide range of topics like that and it coming from a future standpoint or a you know dystopian whatever you want to call yeah. it um allows it to play with these topics that are very real to people without necessarily touching a nerve too much and just kind of opening eyes to wow this is like really fucked up ship that not only is happening Will continue to happen and probably just get worse. And just get worse. Yeah, it might. Yeah, until we're literally form. cutting off someone's head or killing them to get a sympathy vote to have someone win. Yeah, like, and it's it's funny though, like the things they get right, but the things they like are clueless about. Like, you know, like you don't see like people with like smartphones in these comics because yeah. like 
no one really knew that's what it was going to come to. I guess like the closest thing I'd ever I'd always see in like old sci-fi movies was like tablets, you know? Yeah. And then eventually, oh wait, no, we do have tablets now. I mean, yeah, they, they never even like that. told, they never really called them that, but it was always just like futuristic people walking around with like, you know, a slim computer, computer screens. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh my God. And they didn't realize it was going to be, you know, the size of a small It'd rectangle. It'd be much smaller and that we'd all have one and look at it all the time. Right. So yeah, no, that's great. And then I'm also reading, um, I started reading the uh, Len Wein and Dave Gibbons run of um, Green Lantern, which has uh, been collected in these graphic novels. They call it Green Lantern Section Section Two Eight Fourteen Twenty Fourteen, okay. uh, and that's the sector, obviously that how Jordan you know resides over. It's, yeah. it's planet Earth, but there's also a bunch of other planets. And I spoke on it on an older episode about how like the Guardians come down, and I'm like, hey, listen, man, you're paying too much attention to this one planet. There's a bunch of planets in your sector. You can't neglect them. And he's yeah. like, you're right, you're right. So he's a he, cop who just watches one block of his neighbor, of like the area he's supposed that to he cover. That he likes, yeah. Like his, his aunt lives there, so he wants to keep yeah. an eye on there, yeah. No, but he... My mother lives here. He eventually does, and then like the one time he does go to like save a couple other planets, a bunch of shit goes down on Earth, and they're all like, what the fuck, Green Lantern? So he, it gets to the point at the very end of this run, he's like, I don't want to be Green Lantern anymore. So this new run I've, I've picked up is where he's literally just like, I'm not doing it anymore. And so... The Guardians select Jon Stewart, who used to don a ring, but hasn't in a long time. And he took some convincing. He's like, I don't want to do it, man. I already I already quit this once. And they're yeah. like, he kind of gets like guilted into it. He's like, all right, fuck it. And then he starts, you know, realizes that he's pretty into it. It's and- always crazy to me just how lucky Earth is in the DC universe to just have four Green Lanterns. Right. I mean, every planet usually only gets one. Yeah, or sector, yeah. Or sec- a sector, not even just a Cause planet. Because everyone's always dicking around on Earth. It's- Everyone else in that, se- that's why Jon Stewart just or Hal Jordan just paid attention to Earth. He's like, we have four of us that are on one planet, dude. What the fuck else is every other planet on here doing? There must be useless. Yeah. This, li- they- this life isn't even worth saving. Yeah. <laughs> my whole my whole solar system doesn't even have life on it. <laughs> but Mars no, I was, used to. I was at uh, Carol and John's. Uh, my, my soul plumber got delayed a week. It should be out today, or tomorrow, actually. Son of a bitch. I know, but I was there just to make sure I didn't miss an email because I didn't want them to like give up my file or whatever. Oh, so I, I picked up a book while I was there. And you know, Green Lantern's always been one of my favorite DC characters. Yeah. And I like this run because Len Wein's great. For those who don't know Len Wein, he uh, is one of the co-creators of Wolverine. Yep. Um, he's written some great, you know, um, I think he worked on X-Men, giant size X-Men, like, you oh, know, okay. like kind of was part of that big revamp and, uh, he's just a really good writer. I mean, he's a fucking legend. And then Dave Gibbons is, you know, did Watchmen. He's, his artwork is very cool. Just very classic style. It like feels like 50s style, but like more refined. Okay. So like, you know, like those old fifties Batman's like the artwork's cool, but it's just like almost too cartoony. This is just like slightly more realistic. Yeah, it has that little bit more of an edge to yeah, it. And than- so in, in this volume two of this sector twenty eight fourteen that I'm reading, uh he's pretty much just doing the covers, but sometimes he'll do the artwork and you can tell from like from one issue to the other, like there's just a little bit more definition and things. Yeah. And his I mean he's just great. He's one of my favorites for sure. Damn, dude, I might have to pick up a little Green Lantern book I'll give here. You the, I'll give you the first volume. Because I know I'm excited for, especially after this wa- or Peacemaker show, I can't wait to see what they end up doing with that Green Lantern show. On HBO, yeah. No, I'll give you the first volume of this 2814. It's a, it's a really, it's it's known as like a pretty awesome run of Green a Lantern. A good run. Yeah. Who, um, speaking of that show though, if you, if you were to get just control of it, who are you? What Green Lantern are you centering it around? Are you going to go with the classic Hal Jordan? Do you want to see? Maybe I would like to see a little John Stewart Guy Gardner combo action. Yeah, I think it's always going to be you know Hal Jordan's the main the main guy, but it's like you just bring in all of them. You know, you make it just interesting. Okay, see, I I like that where I would almost want the show to be Hal Jordan is off on Earth, Guy Gardner, John Stewart kind of get left on Oa. They yeah. kind of get assigned to you know being special detective type force thing of greenland something where hal jordan's acknowledged but not the main star i feel like we talked about it once before but man like it's a shame that he did blood sport because idris elba would be a fucking awesome john stewart yeah it, i agree like like, like epic i think you know he would who just be else perfect. i think could also do it is i think you get john boyega oh to be a really good john stewart i i would enjoy that I think if he bulked up a little bit, yeah, he'd have to get a little bit like but work a, out a little but bit. I'm sure you're aware of this. Like people did, there was they were very split on him in the Star Wars movies. They were very split on him in the Star Wars movies, and I just was watching something on 
maybe YouTube about difficult actors, and he was on a movie and left the movie halfway through shooting. Oh, he's kind of a diva, just, huh? I don't well, know. That's if, surprising. I don't know if it's him or if it's the situations he's found himself in, because I don't really know. A ton about him, and he gets halfway through this movie, he realizes it's a porno. Yeah, he's <laughs> all right. Now take your dick out. I'm fine. I gotta fire my agent. How the fuck did yeah. I get on this movie? Um, so I don't want you know totally railroad the dude on him being like a diva, but it's like it seems like he's always had issues. What I, the only other movie I can think that he was in besides Star Wars was that Detroit movie with he, uh, the cat that's about to play uh, Bla- uh, uh, Adam Warlock, Will Poulter. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. And that about. was like kind of like a crime cop drama. Well, kind he of was also in that movie. I think one of his, maybe his first movie was it, I want to say it was called Defend the Block. Okay. so Which is supposed to be really good. I've never seen it, but I know it's definitely kind of in that cult classic. Um, I'm sure whoever directed it is also kind of catapult to fame. But I want to say it's like a zombie or alien invasion type movie. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so it's something I've been meaning to watch. But, yeah, I think I think being an actor is also, for as easy as a lot of people think it is, is probably also um, pretty difficult that you it's a lot of stress on people. And I don't think it necessarily, because one movie works for you and you do really well in that, doesn't allude to you having a full career because of the fact you might have just worked really well with a director or that cast and crew might have just meshed really well. I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, issues that arise with the amount of people you're working with on a movie that if you're not pretty malleable or pretty open to things, it's got to be tough to yeah, and, and people talk in that town. One hundred percent. I mean, I know, I know for a fact, Kevin James is an asshole, and it's like because you hear a million. That, stories. Oh, people say that, huh? Oh, Kevin James is a. Oh, I thought you meant Kevin Smith. I don't know. Oh, like, no. Dude, he's a sweetheart. We Kevin Smith, sweetheart. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin James, known fact, known dude. fact, asshole. So, and but it, with John Boyega, you know, I think it's safe to say not to like typecast him, but. I think he should stay in the wheelhouse if he does, you know, like sci-fi type stuff, like fandom type stuff. And, People want to see him and stuff like that. And I think that that's where doing John Stewart would be really good. I'm trying to pick my brain as fast as I can on who would be a good guy gardener. Ooh, yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one. You know who people really like as far as like we're thinking like redheadish actors yeah. is like the one dude, Alan. Yes, um, Alan, Alan Tunick. Alan Tunick, and so what's the show that he was really on that he everyone loved? He was on Firefly. Firefly, yes, that's the one. See, I think he could have been good, but he, I think he's aged he's out. He's a little too old for that one. Yeah, yeah, I think you need you do need to get someone younger because there are a lot of good stories with Guy Gardner, John Stewart, and that's where I think that Ooh, was fucking Ron Weasley, dude. <laughs> dude, that actually would be. A, I'm sorry, Ron. I don't know your real name. Sorry, yeah, man. no, but he was just in another show. Um, that Rupert got, Grint. Rupert Grint. Yeah, I think he would be really good in that because you need someone who's kind of an asshole, who's kind of a coward's probably not the right word, but a little bit more apprehensive <laughs> of doing stuff. And yeah, I think you just have a lot, a lot more to work with in regards to creating stories for Guy Gardner, John Stewart, than Hal Jordan in the yeah. way that. Even though Green Lantern's not as big as a Superman Batman, you do have a lot of people that Hal Jordan stuff has to be on Earth, I feel like. It all is very, like you said, there's comics about the the Guardians being like, dude, leave Earth alone for like five fucking minutes. Yeah. It's going to be fine. They, they should do some like, kind of like splice story arcs and stuff or, or storylines, I should say, like. Do one thing, and then like I would love to see them do like what they did, and it's it's actually it's like uh, Green Lantern Volume Three, okay. uh, forty eight through fifty. That's the Emerald Twilight run, yeah. and then where he like, you know, loses like everything, like Capital City, wherever wherever he lives, whatever they call it, it's like it's like Coast City, Coast City's gone. He recreates it with the ring, yeah, because he goes like, nuts. He just lo- loses his shit, you know, and that, that that would be cool to like see that like near the end of like a series or whatever, you know. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of stuff where, like I said, you don't have to get rid of Hal Jordan necessarily in my mind for that show to work yeah. but you do i think not directly having the show based around him is your best bet at being able to work some more stories that aren't godspell to the fucking comic that 
people are going to be like nitpick through yeah. and cry because it's like, dude, John Stewart and Guy Gardner open a bar on Oa at one point in comics. It's like there's fun shit that can be had. Like those are the stories that I want to see versus, you know, have Hal Jordan destroying Coast City almost as like a background thing and have it be this weird overarching story that those two kind of have to deal with because the rest of the Green Lanterns are like people from Earth are fucking nuts. This guy has gone insane. He was literally possessed by parallax. Like doing some shit like that to me would be so much cooler than he like becomes parallax. Yeah, like that's, yeah. So and it's, something like that would be so much cooler to me than just yeah. a very classic. Even if it was just kind of cop spacey, it's like I just want to see something fun and different. And that's what DC needs to divert their energy more towards in my mind. Yeah, or like sprinkle in like some Suicide Squad members. Like Javelin was a big uh, Green Lantern yeah. villain. So like throw him in there or something. Yeah, you, you know? can have these fun characters that are in it and it doesn't, everything doesn't have to be so dark and nitty gritty to me. I mean, yeah, dude, we're, you know, I feel like we're beating a dead horse, but it's true. Just like, but you know, we got, we got Peacemaker, you know. We got Peacemaker and that's <laughs> now, all that matters. Real quick with the Green Lantern thing, I feel like we're free, you know, because you said there's like at least four. Is there another Kyle one? Kyle Rayner. Yes, 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 so, yes. That's the one I was thinking of. I do. Kyle Rayner's fine. I feel like he is such a bizarro kind of character that he's the most 90s of Green Lantern characters because he takes over after Hal Jordan has his whole parallax issues and all that stuff. He's an artist himself, so everyone always loved his Green Lantern constructs because they everyone claimed they were the most creative. Well, I want to read some of those. That sounds cool. Yeah, he is a really good Green Lantern, but I think you need to... That's just almost a season two of how Jordan goes fucking nuts. Guy Gardner and yeah. Jon Stewart are off on Oa, getting a bad rap for Earthlings, trying to prove themselves that they're good guys and they can still do the job. That's not all humans. And then season two... You bring in a Kyle Rayner who yeah. is trying to figure out how to be this new Green Lantern. Everyone is pissed because why does Earth have four Green Lanterns? No, that's a great idea. You make each season about each Green Lantern. Yes, yeah. and you, know? you can yeah. kind of focus it on these people and use it through the perspective of you know other Green Lanterns and shit like that. I mean, hey, HBO, it's worse to pat on Instagram. Send me a DM. I check my requests. I'm there for you. I can help write this thing. <laughs> You just gotta work around my schedule. Yeah, and then it's gonna, and you need to get that blue check mark. And it's I gonna, need a blue check it's gonna, mark. It's gonna cost. I need you. a f- motherfucking blue check mark ASAP. Well, that's uh, that's time. I think. That I think great. that's what we got for today. Hell yeah, guys! Um, Thanks for joining us. As always, we're gonna just keep bringing you guys some new content. Make sure you hit us up on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Threads and Dreads. Also, Instagram. Threads and Dreads Pod, give us a follow. Send us a message if you want to hear about anything. Also, send us a message if you want to be interviewed or know someone who should be interviewed because we love doing that. Getting a third mic in here makes me tingle all over. Um, Thank you for listening. Thank you, Sean, for being the master, someone who comes in here with actual knowledge and not just bullshit that (laughs) I spew out of my mouth as I try to create a green lantern show in four minutes oh yeah well also you know we you know we each have pieces of the puzzle it's a yin and yang i'll mention one thing oh what's his name and you know right away hey that's what i'm here for fuck uh thank you everybody we love you guys go follow us show the love spread the word peace